0: After a grueling match, Austin stood victorious. Triple H and The Rock crashed the party, but Stone Cold was able to fight off The Undertaker and walk out WWE Champion. Austin held on to the championship until SummerSlam, where he lost it to Mankind in a triple threat match. However, the very next night on Raw, Triple H would reign supreme. With Survivor Series approaching, Stone Cold was pitted in a triple threat match against Triple H and The Rock for the WWE Championship.
1: Come here, you little bastard!
0: But before the event could even get started, a disaster struck. The car incident left Stone Cold with severe neck damage, and after undergoing surgery, he was out of action for over nine months. In his absence, Triple H and The Rock dominated the WWE Championship picture while Austin was left with questions as to who was behind the vicious attacks.
1: I will get my payback, and when I find the bastard that did this, I will take it out on your ass, and that's the bottom line! Custom called
0: Cold While Austin questioned other WWE superstars in search for answers, The truth finally came out.
1: I did it. What? What? I did it for The Rock. I ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And to tell the truth, I do it again. Austin, this Sunday, no mercy.
0: During the no holds barred affair, Austin attempted to pay back Rikishi for his dastardly deeds.
1: About to be broke here.
0: But the police intervened. Stone Cold would have to wait until the 2001 Royal Rumble to get his hands on Rikishi again. And with action at a fever pitch inside the ring, Austin's number was drawn.
1: Here comes the rattlesnake! He's here! What? No here.
0: I'm with Austin in the game in a heated battle, the rumble raged on.
2: Here on another episode of the Perfect Ten for the New Blood Rising Podcast. I am William Rinkin, joined by Charlie Stabile. How are you, man?
3: Good morning.
2: <clears throat> the Royal Rumble. Um, I think the Royal Rumble, just to get a premise a preface here, it is the best WWE match to show in a room full of fans and quite possibly non-fans. Because it is the easiest thing that people can enjoy who have no idea what's going on. Would you agree?
3: I think that's fair uh, because there's a level of audience participation to it, right? And um, and there's you know there's also you can also rope in old fans uh, because of the surprise entrance that'll come in. So people that don't watch it anymore, they'll be like, "Oh, I remember that guy." And right? It, it's yeah. a lot of fun to watch one of these in like a bar
2: environment. Absolutely. I was saying this with Henry on the the, the Taker Sean episode was that I think watching a wrestling event in a bar is better than being at the actual event in many ways. I, I, there's mm-hmm. just something about it. I remember I was texting with you during WrestleMania twenty eight. Twenty eight was a ball in a bar. WrestleMania thirty unglued in a bar that was really good Um, yeah absolutely and I think the thing about a battle royal or the royal rumble is like it's one of those things where it's like you you literally just have a bunch of guys in the ring who are just trying to throw each other out that's so easy you don't have to know
3: anything and that's fun you know oh yeah I mean the, the only problem with this match is that I think this match is a typical royal rumble match is hard to structure and like for instance the last one was v- a very well done version of the Royal Rumble um the one where Brock Lesnar just dominated the whole thing like cause like there's there's moments and sections of the match and then they improvise within that section and Royal Rumble 2001 definitely has that it introduces some things in there that I don't think had ever been done before uh and so it's fun to like okay that's when this happens and that's that's that leads up to this, and then this guy comes in, and then that changes everything to this. Like one of my favorite things in, in this Royal Rumble is when somebody big is about to come out, and oh god, we got to clear the ring. Yeah, and it's just you know just chucking like chucking bags over a fence, like guys just start flying out of the ring.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, and you know I didn't even mention that we are you 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 mentioned it, but just to clarify for anyone who doesn't understand or if you haven't looked anything about um uh, looked in the the, the tweet or the liner or liner notes you know what I mean the podcast description this is Royal Rumble 2001 just the match that we're doing here yes um today yeah absolutely like th- this this one in terms of structure I felt like this is the first one that was really that figured I had to do this because you if you mm-hmm. go back and you even look at like Royal Rumble 98 for example another another fun one to watch it's all centered around Austin. That's all it has is when Austin hits the ring and everybody trying to attack him. And then after that flurry right. where he kind of fights off, like he it's like Jet Lee Li in the one and he just throws everybody off of him.
3: It, it so kind of... Yeah. It, and the just, only thing that... Uh, the only thing I would add to that is uh, it's also somewhat structured around Mick Foley because uh, that was like the first time we ever saw a guy constantly coming back as a different character. And that all ends... I think, when Austin comes in. You know, I think Foley's on his last character by the time Austin enters, which I think Austin was, was he 25? I always remember he he, he always had, like, a great draw in these rumbles. Oh, yeah. With the exception of 97. Uh, and 99. He was, I think he was, 90, yeah, yeah, 99 he was number two. But, I mean, that didn't, uh, I mean, he's he's not in, uh, that's something that this match kind of repeats. He's kind of taken out of the rumble for an extended period of time. And I always wondered if this was to protect Austin. Yeah. In a weird way. Uh, Cause 99, him and McMahon like go to the ladies room and are never to be seen until about 28 again, (laughs)
2: 99. That's a tough rumble. It's a tough one Uh, because when they leave the, the Royal rumble match, I don't remember anything. It, it takes a dip. Like, the excitement level really dips. And that's going to happen. Like, that's the thing that, like, I, I think we need to say up front is that, like, even this Rumble has a dip. They all have them. It's inevitable because we don't like every guy on the roster. You know, that that that's never – there's no case of – uh, you know, every guy on the roster is somebody we care about. And so eventually you do have those low points, but that's good because it helps us settle down for when, like you said, it's time for a big guy to come out and now let's just clear house and get ready for the next bit of excitement. So, right. Um, all right, before we get into Royal Rumble one, someone wanted to do here because there was a question about on Twitter. I'd mentioned it here in the last go. perfect 10. <laughs> I'd mentioned it in the last perfect 10. I'm not a big fan of the John Cena U S open challenge. I didn't go into it then. There was a question about it on Twitter, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to save it for this because I'd rather talk about it with you because we've talked about it before. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so the first thing that really need to be said is that I appreciate John Cena more in 2020 than I did in 2015. You and I were both saying that. We were both talking about that, and it's the truth because in 2015, it was just so much Cena. It didn't matter if it was for the world title or what. Like He was always out there, and it just got to a point where it's like, it, same old shit. I think that was what a lot of, there, there were a couple chance of
3: that at, at various times throughout the run. Seen enough. Seen, seen enough. <laughs> seen enough. <I> remember. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, yeah, but let's talk about that for a second, because that's really interesting. So imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin having feuds with D'Lo Brown, Val Venus, uh, Jeff Jarrett, you know, guys that are mid-card. Or even on the lower end. Imagine if he had a feud with Takamishinoku. John Cena had a feud with like everybody. You know? And it's. Austin always stayed in the, in the upper echelon of like, okay, I'm going to feud with these four or five guys. And that's it. And the same goes for Brett. Same goes for Hogan. But <clears throat> Cena seemed to bounce around the entire roster of wrestlers. Like, he did it all the time. And this was a prime example of that. And in theory, the U.S. Open Challenge was a great idea. But, you know, right off the bat, uh, why does John Cena have the United States title at this time?
2: Yeah, so, like, I, I've, this is where a lot of people like the U.S. Open Challenge because they said it elevates the title. It, and then on the, on the same notion, it helped elevate mid some of these mid card wrestlers that were looking to eventually advance to the main event. Let's let's run down the list. Let's run down the list of people and then let's see if anyone really got elevated here. So, the first US Open Challenge, the first person to answer the challenge was Dean Ambrose, then Stardust, Bad News Barrett, Kane, Rusev, uh this was his first rematch, Sami Zayn, Neville, Rusev again, Zack Ryder, Cesaro Cesaro again, Rusev again, Kevin Owens, and then he loses, uh, yeah, or no, I, he, does he, it has Seth Rollins on here twice, and I don't know if he wrestled him once, and then he wrestled him at SummerSlam, and he lost it, but it doesn't matter. Rollins is on there, but that one kind of doesn't count, he's the world champ, but um, that's the, Oh, the John Stewart match. Right, right. So, that's who we've got on here, and when you look at that now, and again, we're we're kind of looking at this through the prism of, of of hindsight. So, like, I mean, at the at the time, we may have thought differently, but most of those guys on there really don't go anywhere. I mean, with the exception you remember, of Dean Ambrose. You remember what happened to
3: Sami Zayn. <laughs> I mean, see well, Dean Am- Dean Ambrose didn't go to the next level because of John Cena. Yeah, it was it was at least six months before the Ambrose 316 signs started showing up, you know, it just, (laughs) it wasn't overnight. (laughs) No, I I agree. Um, and one of my big issues was Cena was putting on really good matches, but at the same time, this was his experimental phase where he was trying moves that you would typically see an indie wrestler do. Like for instance, um, that move that looks like a Canadian Destroyer, but it's actually a sunset flip. Uh, I don't remember him breaking this thing out at any point beforehand. He would, And it looked really stupid. It wasn't like the Canadian... Which the Canadian Destroyer does kind of look ridiculous. But in a professional wrestling sense, it's fine. It, the guy runs from the corner to the guy that's bent over and just jumps on his back in an immediate flip. John Cena would sit on the guy's back... As, as he was bent over and kind of do this, whoa, whoa, and like a seesaw kind of thing. And then like, there'd be like a moment of hesitation and then he would lean forward and, and the guy and his legs would take the shoulders of the other guy and it would turn into like a flip around sunset flip. And it was like, what the hell was that? You know, like, to, and then on, after that, that's when he started to do the springboard stunner or as uh, Michael Cole was so gloriously, Coined it. Uh, he, he didn't get yeah. all of that, and he never did. <laughs> and the other guy yeah, never a good got call. pinned by it. It always just looked incredibly stupid. In fact, you know that the move is difficult when it's 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 hard to recreate it with toys because because yeah. that, that's how I learned how difficult the move because because you know, I had a John Cena figure. I was like, how like what is this like? How would this look with toys? And it's because your momentum is going backwards. And then all of a sudden you have to go forwards, or, or not even forwards, but down. You go back and down, and it it, it doesn't look right. It, it, and it a lot of it relies on the other guy, uh, I think, to to like he almost has to drive Cena down, and Cena's no small guy. So th- this move looked ridiculous, and it and and the U.S. Open challenge to me in a way felt like a way for Cena to get back at his critics, the ones who would say you can't wrestle. And to in in a, a weird attempt to try to get some sort of indie cred that was going on cuz this is right around the time of um well shortly after NXT and those that group of guys and guys like Daniel Bryan and I guess Cena felt like it was time to change it up a little bit with his uh rest, with his in-ring wrestling which he is more than capable of doing, but these moves just I mean, imagine Hulk Hogan doing this, you know, it's, the, there are some things that I, I, I feel, and this is probably just an old school mindset that some wrestlers just shouldn't do. The big show should never do a Frankensteiner, although I'd love to see it, you know, it's, it, it just kind of, it's like, no, like you don't want to do too much, like when you're, when you're this size, you know, I, I don't want to see Andre the Giant do a guillotine leg drop off the top rope. <laughs> You know. No, I was
2: just talking about. Uh, I was just thinking of that best of luck spot with Mabel doing a uh, a second row. just. just oh yeah! Them. But uh, oh. but but no, yeah, you're right. One. Like this, this whole thing yeah, felt like it was a combination a of two things. It's a like it felt like this is when New Japan really was starting to really crank up the momentum because. And I'm using myself as a gauge because I'll be honest, I didn't know much of anything about New Japan, but I felt like in 2015 was when I really started to hear about it because it's this—it's the year Jim Ross does commentary for Wrestle Kingdom, and it just seemed like it got a lot more attention than it normally had. And again, that's not to say it didn't. I'm just saying, like to a, I think a, a lot of fans, it's—it was still just kind of an unknown thing. There were still plenty of U.S. fans that were well aware what was going on, but it felt like it really started to. Pick up momentum to where it started to cross over with other fans that really hadn't heard about it. And it seemed like Cena wanted to tap into that because this is when you're starting to hear about the AJ Nakamura matches that were just off the charts. You're hearing about, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Obviously, some of the Young Bucks matches that were very, very highly regarded. And it definitely seemed like, as you were saying, like this was an attempt to. To eliminate the "you can't wrestle" chant, basically, that people would throw at Cena. I don't know. I just um, overall, I, I just th- I, I think on the surface the idea was, oh yeah, well Cena's going to elevate these mid card guys by putting them in raw matches that seem like they're really into it, but they're really not because John Cena's always going to win at the end. That was my biggest problem. Is that nobody? I never really believed anybody was going to beat him <laughs> ever.
3: None of them. I never believed it. So. Well, what about the Sami Zayn thing where he, like, injured himself? <laughs> like, it was his first match. I know. And the second that stupid music hit, I mean, he just, like, like tripped over his own feet. or what, what was it? I mean, he was in his hometown and Brett introduced yeah. him. And, uh, but... yeah, it was just stupid. And I think he was out for three or four months or something. You know, it just, it was bad. So, and what I remember is that the thing with Rollins happened... Cena gets the belt back and then I think Cena tries to restart the US Open Challenge and then Del Rio returned.
1: Yes. And then
3: and then Del Rio who was already established, he had been the world champion a couple of years before that. Del Rio beats John Cena in like 2 minutes. And it was like, "Well, what the hell was that?" Because then it then it retroactively made everyone else look like an idiot because Del Rio could beat him in 2 minutes, big match John. And then I don't even remember what happened with Del Rio after that. Like, League of Nations or something. Like, they didn't do anything with Del Rio. Um, and, and
2: I think this definitely bears mentioning within this. In May is when they do Elimination Chamber. And in Elimination Chamber is when Kevin Owens, like, shockingly beat Cena clean. In a great match. It, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 if I'm right, I don't think the belt was on the line. It
3: wasn't. No. And then... <laughs> Just... <laughs> and then they rematched two more times uh, on the next yeah. two pay per views, and this is like this was always it was kind of funny in a sad way, but this was the punishment for beating John Cena. If you beat John Cena, he's going to beat you twice, or three times, or until the end of right. your career. You know, like, like Rusev. We just mentioned Rusev. Yeah, Rusev.
2: Rusev has him pass out to the the accolade um, at uh, oh, uh, No Limit or to No Limit. What's the to the limit. Over the limit? Wh- over. No, wait, maybe I'm wrong. Is the one that they booted up in February of 15. It was the first one that they did. And I remember being at that show and seeing a loss, and I remember a bunch of kids crying, and I was like, oh man, it's all right. He'll win it back at Mayday. You because know guess win what, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> it's John, John, not only does he beat Rusev, he pretty much just kills him. Yeah. Like Rusev, they do that, they do the strap match. Or the or no um, yeah the strap match they do the I quit match I feel like they do an another type of match he loses like three matches in a row just like you said mm-hmm. Rusev gets eaten after he beats Cena
3: yeah it's uh, it was overkill and I'm sorry like um, I was really into Rusev when he first came in I thought it was an interesting idea it was kind of a throwback to the old 80s heels uh, which yeah. which I kind of missed and this guy he looked like a Mack truck so. Yeah, you know, that's I, that's something that I miss. And Cena killed him, and I've never been able to take him seriously. When people would say Rusev Day, I'm like, I don't give a shit about that guy. I, I yeah. just, I uh, just, yeah. I can't get behind this. And and, and the flip flop thing didn't help. But um, you know, and Sami Zayn, I liked him when he first came in, and and his match with Cena is actually the one that I remember the most because even though he was injured right off the bat, uh, Sami Zayn did a great job. And yeah. Him, Really done anything with him. I mean making him Kevin Owen. The, the whole thing with Kevin Owens is just stupid with with yeah. uh you know, oh you're my you were my best friend, now we're enemies, and now we're friends again. And just like, ah, I just don't buy it. The
2: the last thing I'll say on my point for Cena, I'll let you close up with what you want to close up with sure. is um um I don't I feel like John Cena wrestled I, I I believed his matches more with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, who are guys that were of comparable size and, in a lot of cases, comparable experience to some of the guys he wrestled in the U.S. Open Challenge. I don't feel like he elevated anybody in that challenge, and I don't even feel like he elevated himself because I never really believed he was any better of a wrestler than he did before. He just got longer matches on Raw, with a lot more, uh, a lot more spots that were a part of this whole like spot crazy thing that was starting to kick up where it was just like sp- uh, sp- matches were becoming spot fest where you're going to have these things like springboard stunners and things of that nature i think in the end it's very forgettable i again i'll concede that at the time were they entertaining sure when, a th- when, a, when it's a three hour raw and you tuck this type of match in there it's going to be pretty high octane action in there yeah it's going to be a good passable 20 to 30 minutes two segments or whatever it is but I just think overall this thing is remembered in a way that I don't think serves fact with it. So,
3: what are your final thoughts on it? It sounds like we're shitting on Cena, which you we know we've done all we've done so much. But but you 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 made a point earlier, and it's true. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I never thought I'd miss John Cena, but I do. Uh, John Cena is a very competent wrestler, and he is one of the best. I definitely think that. I think he proved that. Over the years. And it's not his fault that they never did anything further with his character past 2008 or whatever it was. Um, he is more than capable of making stars. Like you pointed out, uh, I already loved CM Punk, but that match at Money in the Bank, that sealed the deal. Uh, that match was so... was is That's a perfect 10 down the line at some point. Um, he didn't make punk. I think punk was already made, but he elevated punk. And I think he did the same thing for Daniel Bryan at the, in, in that summer slam match. Uh, it was such a great match. And uh, another match that's fantastic is uh, John Cena. When he fought Ray Mysterio on raw for the vacant WWE mm-hmm. title, the night after money in the bank, that match is great. So it's, he should be more than capable of making a star here. Like, so this U.S. Open Challenge, there should have been one guy in mind and maybe have this guy just barely lose, like, twice in two months or something, but he keeps coming back. He keeps figuring out a way to get back at Cena. You could have built a feud out of this. Yeah. yeah like, this sort of thing. And, and these types of specialty things that wrestling makes up, they're good. Like, I was thinking about the, um, like, for like the King of the Ring is an obvious example, but look at the the Best of Seven. Like I, I, I kind of miss when they would just kind of create something and go, "Let's see, yeah. let's see what you guys got." Like we'll just create something for you, and you can wrestle every time we're on television. And this felt like it had potential in the beginning, even though I still didn't understand why a uh, thirteen or fourteen time WWE champion was the U.S. champion all of a sudden. Once again, imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin with the uh, Intercontinental Title in two thousand two or something. Uh, but right. yeah, so I think this this should have worked. Like you pointed out, like you said, Kane was in there. What the hell is that all about? Yeah, it's it's like, does that Kane one's need probably to
2: be I, right. That one is pretty much regarded as the worst entry in.
3: They never the, had a good in, match. In the, they never yeah. had a good match. Like I'll never forget that freaking. We saw it at a bar. There was a great match yeah. that came right before, and then that wasn't the main event. The main and I, I remember the main event more than the match that came before. The main event was John Cena and Kane in an ambulance match, and Ugh. who gives a shit? So it's like you don't need to elevate Kane. And Rusev, well, he was in, he said he was in there twice. He beats him twice. So th- that doesn't really matter. And that kills his momentum. It just, it was just poorly handled. And, and I can't blame John Cena for all of it. And it's, he's a great, 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 great wrestler. And like I said, more than capable of making stars. And the U S open challenge is complete bullshit. That's, that's my final thought. All right. So let's, let's move. On. I think we, I think we were
2: good with that. we, criticism, praise where it's needed, and again, it all comes back to, like, your perspective on it. Like, some people may just live within the, it, it was entertaining, it, it was an entertaining time watching Raw. I'll give you that, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No problem. Um, yeah, Because right, these were so, good matches. They
3: were good matches. Yeah, overall, yeah. But They're good
2: matches. But They're overall. Just, I, I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I just thought of it, because I, I screenshot it, because this was a comment I saw from somebody that was like, this summarizes it just absolutely perfectly. I'm pulling it up right here so I can I can reference it. I love this. I hated it at the time, and I hate it now. The reason? It just seemed like a vehicle to fool fans into buying the gimmick so they can cheer on a guy they previously hated as he beat not only heels but faces too without the need for a storyline reason for him to go over them.
3: I was like, yeah, right yeah, on. Heels Nailed and faces. It. I mean, he, he, he yeah. fought the whole card, you know? Like, it yeah. would have been cool maybe if they threw in, like, I don't know. A wrestler, you know, throwing someone who we haven't seen, throwing Bobby Duncan Jr., you know, just like. Psycho said. Throw, yeah, yeah. L- l- like, make it almost like some of the matches are attractions. You know, like, that right. would be really cool. Um, yeah, that would have been fine. But the, it ends up just being a jerk obsession for the John Cena character. And the way that Cena loses, uh, finally, to Del Rio, it's just like, what the hell was that all about? You know, because that, yeah. that match, I think Del Rio legitimately beats him with a kick to the face. I think he just kicked yeah. him in the face, and that was the three count. You know, and it's it's just not for me.
2: <clears throat> All right, well, let's shift now. Let's do let's get into Royal Rumble 01. Well, the, hold on. Wait, the, why I, wanted I wanted to here? tell you what
3: I watched. I wanted to tell you what I watched. Oh, okay. Uh, this will be okay. real quick, and I highly suggest you watch it because I think you'd really like it. Um, Jason had mentioned it a couple days ago and I'd forgotten about it Uh, the new documentary that's on YouTube right now about Chris Benoit it's fantastic Uh, no bullshit this is the kind of documentary that I feel like WWE would want to make about him but they just can't do it and the the amount of interviews that they have Jim Ross, Chris Jericho um, Nancy Benoit's sister Dean Malenko, Chavo Guerrero Chavo is fantastic Chris Benoit's kid uh, this thing like jason had sent us a text and i disagree with it because he's like wow i can't believe they're humanizing chris benoit they're not they're just telling the story they're telling the story of what happened and that's that's essentially the end of it and chris jericho it sounds like he was like the main driving force of it and he, he even narrates it and he makes and he says chris jericho is so fucking interesting Uh, just whenever he talks, he has such an interesting perspective on things. You know, like he, he's one of those, those magical wrestlers that when he talks, like he, he, he has the gift of making you look at something differently. Um, that other, you know, that other wrestlers just can't verbalize. Uh, so it's, it's a two-parter. It, I, it's a nine out of 10 for me. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And yes, of course, uh, I still feel the same about the whole situation. It's, it's absolute shit. Uh, what happened? But it's interesting how, what they what they cover. Um, and some, the, some things I didn't even know. Like that, like a big focus of the doc is uh, Eddie Guerrero. And they go through exactly how Eddie died and how they found him. And I had never heard that story before. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. So I very much recommend giving that a watch. That's it. <clears throat> All
2: right. Royal Rumble 01. So let's get into first, just look, there's not with the Royal rumble match. Like you don't have to go too deep on backstory. I'd say the, the biggest thing is it felt like this was a kind of a wide open rumble only because you had the rock and Austin in there. There was a potential, like it wasn't just a lock stock. Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Austin. to win all the way, I didn't feel that at the time, especially with who from the, who from the upper, Mid card to main event scene was in there. There's a
3: good, there's a good crop of them in there, and. Well, another thing that this is a special rumble in this in that regard because most rumbles feel like a lock, and this rumble it didn't feel like a lock for me either. And my big thing was no one has ever won the Royal Rumble three times. Right, and and plus Austin had just come back yeah in the, the previous uh, october so like he had been out of the picture for so long and rock took over yeah it definitely felt like it was either going to be austin or rock because oh like i don't you don't have to be that deep of
2: a scholar on the, the attitude era to see that like the the attitude era 98 99 is very different from 2000 and 2001 it is very different by 2000 you have tag teams that are really starting to to bolster the roster. You've also got you've got a reinvention of DX as a heel stable that's really really good. You've got a mid card with the likes of the that the first crop of the, the the radicals, the first crop of people to really move over from WCW. You have just a mm-hmm. lot of talent that's on the roster that you didn't have necessarily in ninety eight ninety nine. Just- and I say all that just to say. Just look
3: at the. Uh, just look at the front cover of the DVD or the VHS, uh, or on for us modern audiences on the network. Um, this was the first time I think since '93 that they had an animated front cover with all the wrestlers like coming down the street, and that was so cool because the talent pool was massive at the time and just look at that front cover like all these guys were in here at the same yeah. time like that's insane because we took it for granted we always thought wrestling would be like this where it would be you know not necessarily the same guys but guys that are just this big you know larger than life and now everyone has long hair and a beard like there was a point where, I, where it was like eight guys in the ring and I'm like how many people in this ring have long, hairs and beard, long hair and beards it was like one you know everyone had their own look everyone looked different uh, so absolutely like th- they had talent to work with in spades it's a very different attitude era yeah because I keep I always forget that it's like this, this feels so much different from the 98 rumble and in a good way in a good way because I think the wrestling improved so
2: um, I, and I remember I I didn't see this live at the time I didn't I bought this on a whim I caught it at a Kmart um, and, and this was uh-huh. before the, the cover had been re-edited to remove Benoit, so I got the the, the the real one at the time. This is an incredible rumble, even outside the match. The The matches on here are really, really good. This is, with the exception of China and Ivory and that just kind of cringeworthy Ugh. thing, it's almost a perfect pay-per-view in a lot of ways, you know?
3: I was very tempted to re-watch that Jericho-Benoit match. Yeah. I've seen that match so many times. It's it's a it's a classic. It's one of, it's. I feel like. Well, of course, it's a ladder match that isn't talked about anymore. But um, for me, it's probably top five. Yeah. And the Triple H Kurt Angle match, I, this is a great great Rumble. When did,
2: did did you watch this live when it came out or when did you come, first come across this?
3: Yes, I I did watch this live. Uh, this was back in the. Don't uh, come after me, FBI. This was after dad got uh access to the pay-per-views for free and he had one of those boxes and i would go over there and i would watch not necessarily all the pay-per-views like he'd record like fully loaded or something but uh, i would go watch like royal rumble wrestlemania i definitely remember going over and watching this and just being glued to my seat because you know i cannot stress this enough how like People talk about 2000 as the breakout year, truly for The Rock, and certainly it was. Uh, Triple H got injured. Austin was gone for ten months. Um, I missed Austin so much in that year. Um, that was like the first period where I, I was still watching wrestling, still into it, but there was definitely something missing, and it was Austin. And so just the just the thought of him coming back and possibly winning and main eventing WrestleMania and going and getting his spot back. Was so exciting to me that uh, I absolutely had to see it, and plus it was the Royal Rumble. All right, so before we get into it,
2: uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor Anchor, and then we will get into the Royal Rumble match
3: itself.
1: Hey, this is the franchise Shane Douglas, and you're listening to the New World Rising. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right, we're back. So. Let's get into this rumble. And so what I what I'm gonna pull up here is I've, How do you feel about this? Like looking at it in terms of kind of the 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 chunks. There are like there there are a couple of like segments within here, as we were talking about structure, that are
3: that it's Sure. Uh, I have the structure pretty much mapped kay. out. Your first structure goes from entrance number one to number five. From Jeff Hardy
2: to Drew Carey. That's basically sexual. kind of feels like the warm-up. kind of feels like a warm-up to the Rumble. It doesn't feel like there's... It's kind of light. kind of eases you in a little bit. These people
3: aren't winning. (laughs) Like, I I will say this. Before the Rumble starts, it was like The Rock does this promo. And I love The Rock for this. uh, For him giving a rub to Bull Buchanan. (laughs) He's like, maybe it'll be me and Kane at the end. Maybe me and Austin. Maybe me and Bull Buchanan. (laughs) It's just like, eh, I don't know, Rock. Uh, but um, so let's let's talk about this first section. So, so Jeff Hardy draws number one, and then Bull Buchanan, and they have a pretty good back and forth. It's Bull Buchanan was totally competent, uh, just wasn't very exciting. And then Matt Hardy comes out, so it's like oh it's going to be two on one situation, and this is where the problems begin. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff and Matt are are just, what is going on with them here? Um, there's there are several botches. Between the two of them, whether they're working over Bull Buchanan or they're working over themselves, um, Jeff Hardy screws up the poetry in motion, and um, I'll give cre- uh, credit to Matt. He sells like like Jeff stepped stepped on his back too hard, so it was like a nice recovery. And in fact, I think this is when Farouk comes in. But um, that was one moment. There's another moment where Matt drop kicks no i'm sorry it's jeff jeff drop kicks matt in the back and doesn't come anywhere near him and matt's like on a time delay <laughs> with the way that he sells it like oh oh god you yeah. know yeah. and and this uh this elimination where so J- drew carey comes in and jeff and matt are on the top rope and this is just really weird. Uh, Jeff does like a front suplex to Matt off the top of the turnbuckle, and Matt hits the floor. And then Jeff just decides to kill himself. Uh, and the way he lands is just terrible. And it's like, well, why did he fall? Yeah. yeah and and once again, it's I think it's one of those situations where we got to get these guys out of the ring because uh, for these uh, for these spots. Now Drew Carey's entrance. So the re- the reason Drew Carey is in this rumble is because. He has a pay-per-view coming up, and I actually watched that pay-per-view because uh, I could, and it wasn't very good. But why? I couldn't help but I, I, I'm trying to remember the original uh, Royal Rumble 2001 before the network got a hold of it. Well, I mean, wouldn't it make sense for Drew Carey to come out to Cleveland
0: Rocks?
2: Yeah, um, he kind of comes out to ju- – even like I, from when I watched the DVD back in the day, it was just some generic – just generic Jim Johnston rock music. Like there, there is no fanfare to it whatsoever. It's just, and and they just throw up the graphic of him. To, it even says tonight on there. Like like it's it's a it's a graphic used for, like the the the, the opening package to the show. So they put no effort into this right. whatsoever.
3: None. No, it it feels really last minute. And but 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 there's some significance here because I'm trying to remember. I think Drew Carey. I think he's the first celebrity to ever enter the Royal Rumble. That's
2: good. It might and be, there's
3: yeah. A, there's a couple of firsts here, and this is memorable, because this is, this is one of the less talk about, like, Kane interferes with the celebrity situations. Um, and it's it's interesting, because uh, Jeff and Matt get eliminated, Drew Carey's left, and then Kane comes out. So, like, there this is a great little comedy bit, uh, I love Drew Carey offering him money
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> to try to like was he offering him money to not beat him up or for, for Kane to step over the top rope, like what was it? And then I actually love like the way Kane picks up Drew Carey is it's scary. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna <laughs> like, he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. And Raven is just like I can't let anything happen to Drew Carey because <laughs> <laughs> because Raven comes in at number seven. Um, yeah, you take it from here. I've talked enough.
2: No, and so it this is what kicks off a really like um there's going to be plenty to say about Kane, so we don't even have to worry about blowing all of it now. There's going to be plenty to say about Kane throughout all of this, but what Raven's entrance uh, after Kane really kickstarts. starts. What I think makes this Royal Rumble very memorable is when it for the next 7 through I mean, I'd say what 7 through I'd say seven, 7
3: through 10.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Yeah, And seven, seven through. Oh, 10. you're
3: talking about in terms of sections? Oh, then it's seven through twelve. If you're talking about okay. a section,
2: that I think that's okay. That's better. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's kinda, five. It, yeah, we get a hardcore match in the middle of the Royal Rumble, which is awesome. Like, it's really fun and neat, and it's all gimmicky with all the weapons, the bowling ball and the crotch, and at Blackman. Love when Blackman comes out with gets his sticks that nobody seemed to touch in the back. Like, don't touch
3: my, my sticks. Can, can we talk don't, about these sticks for a second? So, Steve Blackman comes out with arguably the most devastating weapons in this hardcore match. And there is no crowd reaction when he hits anybody. And I think the reason is simply that it doesn't make any noise.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's not like a chair. It's not like a trash can or a sign. Or a trash can lid. Yeah, like yeah.
3: a gimmick trash can lid. I'll be honest, that probably doesn't hurt. I don't think so. Uh, it probably just stings a little, but like sticks like this should. Oh, boy. And, and I, I couldn't wait for him to start unloading with the sticks. And then he does. And the crowd's like, eh. Like even in the video games, they made noises.
2: What's notable, I think, in this section is that, like, it's a hardcore match. Everybody's trying to get they're, they're just they're beating the crap out of Kane. Like they're really like it seems like Glenn's really taking a beating in there. Like, and it's it's ugly, it's nasty, and yet, th- despite it being Raven, Al Snow, Perry Saturn, Blackman, and then Brian Christopher, it, he takes care of all of them. They're all eliminated by Kane at some point.
3: Yeah, and, and there's a couple of good spots. Like, I love, um, I, I I noticed, like, so Al Snow goes under the ring, and he's looking for his bowling ball, and, I mean, there's like a Gatorade bottle under there. It looks like somebody's lunch is under there. Yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. there's water lawler has my favorite comment of the night or at least of the match when uh, a fire extinguisher is visible and he says oh, i bet C- kane wishes he had a couple of those in his lifetime it, it's,
2: yes it's a great <laughs> line
3: yeah it's so funny and the bowling ball i never really knew how they did this <laughs> this this really dangerous looking spot where you th- where he bowls it into raven's balls <laughs> it's yeah. just it just looks terrible um of course, this being 2001, all the trash can shots, the lids, the cans—it's all unprotected. Yeah. So you know, and th- and that's always something that when we go back and watch these old things that we're that we're conscious of, because I remember watching this stuff back then when it was going on. It was like, oh, what a pussy—he he, didn't—he put his hand up like Triple H used to always do. Now I just admire it because <laughs> it's like, right. oh, I don't know about all this. Um, yeah, then Grandmaster Sexay comes in and. <laughs> This is when the uh, shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, really does. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, Sexy, Blackman, Snow, Saturn, they all go out. And then, I don't know if this is true, but it might be, because I can't think of another time where this happened. We get, like, the first, what I think is the first legacy wrestler surprise entrant. And this Was is Honky of, not
2: in the, what, I swear Honky was in the 98 rumble
3: for some reason was he in the well well, um see here's what i was trying to remember i had a honky-tonk man action figure from back then and i think he was active in some form um wrestling moved at a different speed back then three years back then uh felt like a decade like like you said like the 98 the difference between the 98 rumble and the 2001 rumble to me feels massive yeah. like it, it just feels different hell even the 97 rumble that feels like a different era to 98 uh, yeah. with some of the guys that are in there um, I remember it was a real surprise that Honky Tonk Man was coming out and this is one of my favorite parts I think this is just hysterical and a big part of it is because of Jerry Lawler uh, Jerry Lawler is so excited and he sings along to the song with Honky Tonk Man <laughs> and It's just it's just very entertaining. It's it's the kind of thing WWE does best. Uh, And but the crowd like further the point I made earlier about the eras, the crowd looks confused at first. Like who's this guy? And I think Kane is confused too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kane has a has a couple of really great moments. Like we we glossed over it, but there's Kane like his uncoordination his Vince McMahon level of coordination is really on display here. Like I love when he takes the drop to hold into the trash can and yeah. it, it just Kane falling forward. Like whether it be that or the stunner just always just looks so derpy. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he just, but the honky thing's great. Cause he just takes the guitar, wallops him and eliminates him. And that's the end of the honky tonk man. I and- like
3: Kane shaking his head. Like, yes, what an it's,
2: idiot.
3: it's so good. Like, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> um,
2: and then this leads to like the like this is this is a typical WWE strategy with a rumble is you sprinkle in a couple big names before you get to like the real the real backloaded section where you bring in the rest of them. And when you get to like the 20 through 30 spots at number 13 is the rock and it the place comes unglued and what's great is like when he comes out he's just already talking trash like going right (laughs) at Kane. and you get a nice little you you get them going at it this kind of kicks off how deep do you think this section goes
3: uh from the rock i would say do you you take it down to big Show? oh i would take it all the way to big show because okay um so the way that i took the notes was i'd write the wrestler that would enter and then when something caught my eye i'd write a note for numbers 17 through 22, I have no notes underneath those entrances because it's they don't matter. It, this is a tough this section. This is the down dude. point. This is the yeah. down point. Um, and, but the down point doesn't really start until 17. Yes. Because, yeah, because the Rock and Kane go at it for a while, and then the Father comes in. And then Taz, just as if he couldn't get any lower in WWE who he'd only debuted the year before and ended Kurt Angle's undefeated streak. Uh, Taz is just dumped out there uh, by Kane. Uh, And uh, let's talk about this real quick. Um, I want to know if you notice this. Did you notice the weird WWE Network thing that happened with the video um, after Kane eliminated Taz and started fighting The Rock again? What is that? Because I was wondering if number 16 was Chris Benoit and he got eliminated. No, he,
2: wasn't in, he, he, he wasn't, wasn't in it. He wasn't in the rumble. No.
3: So um so what why why did they do this? Cuz like the all the audio cuts out and it just cuts to a replay of Kane eliminating Taz and then we go right back to Kane. And and it, and it doesn't look like a typical replay. Like
0: uh, look at this It church. looks like a
3: botch on
2: it, it could be a production botch. I don't remember this in the DVD I don't, to be honest. I don't either. I don't um, yeah, that's a good question. I would need to go back and just look at that spot during the actual, the the the, the recording at the time to see what it was. Because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh man, it's my thing. Because it's done this before. Like all of a sudden it like, just loops back 30 seconds for no reason. Yeah, I thought done. that's what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and during that run, this is when, I mean, just you have Father Taz, Bradshaw. Bradshaw gets a pretty good showing in this. Albert. Hardcore Holly. K. Quick. Isn't that awesome? R-Truth. Really, uh... Yeah.
1: The,
3: the newly anointed conscience of the WWE.
2: <laughs> um, Val Venus. I feel so sad saying that, because he just sucks in right to censor. I hate... I hated that so much. They, it just They killed his killed character. Him. Yeah.
3: Because uh, Val Venus was, you know, he was ravishing Rick Rude amped up to an R rating, basically. And... We haven't had a chance to talk about Val Venis so much. I was a big Val Venis fan. Like, I loved the character. I thought he was a decent wrestler. And when he went to right to censor and cut his hair, uh, it all went downhill. Like, like nothing about it worked. Because that seemed to kind of also be the thing with the right to censor. Let's take a really over-the-top... Because WWE kind of shoots themselves in the foot. Because they created right to censor to uh, make fun of L. Brent Bozell, who was the head of the um, the PTC, what was it, the Parents Television Council... Yeah. And they would make fun of him a lot, like on on Raw. Jr. would always say something condescending. So they made a stable out of it, the right to censor. And they took two of the most Attitude Era-type characters like that were just, even if they couldn't wrestle, which they could, but even if they couldn't, they were huge crowd pleasers because of what their characters were. They took the Godfather, and they took Val Venis, and they completely stripped them of their personality. And, like, the, the, the right to censor is so weird because... The real stars of that, I mean, you could say uh, Stephen Richards, because he was the mouthpiece, but if anyone got better from the right to censor, uh, it would be Ivory, uh, because everyone else didn't really have a say in anything or any feud, and I really think WWE, and this is a classic Vince McMahon kind of thing, in a way to fight back against something that he feels is oppressing him, he inadvertently shoots himself in the foot. And by by getting rid of the Val Venus and the Godfather character in this time period, it was just, a I think, a huge mistake.
2: Venus at 20, you have William Regal then at 21, Tess at 22, and then 23s were things. Now, I, here's something I need to ask you. I don't remember when Big Show is out, like when he leaves or is injured or is out for a period of time before he comes back here. Because they make a note, this is pretty much a surprise return. Uh, for the yes. Rumble. Do you remember when he left or when he was out in 2000? I have no idea. The
3: only okay. thing that I noticed because I was trying to think back on it and he won, He wins the title at the 99 Survivor Series because of Austin. I don't remember anything in 2000 that he did off the top of my head other than the Royal Rumble with with The Rock. But he the does WrestleMania. Notice,
2: he does the Mania match uh, in the Four Corners, right? He's in that.
3: Yes, he was in the WrestleMania 2000 McMahon stroke-off match. Uh, is 2000 when he has
2: uh, what, I kept thinking SummerSlam like what he might have been doing well
3: here's what I noticed about this rumble when he comes out he looks very not thin but lean like like yeah. he looks like lean and a little bit more buff I'm wondering yeah. if this was the time period where they were fat shaming him yeah, uh, on be, Raw yeah. and they sent him over to OVW for developmental because uh, they did do that I just can't remember if this was it but it's so funny to see Big Show come out and the crowd just go ballistic. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> usually, what... you know, like, like, we always remember that one guy that screamed in the audience like five or six years ago at Big Show, please retire. <laughs> 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 but Big Show comes in and this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like his little that's, showing that's here. And it yeah. doesn't last long. <laughs> What's funny like is he the clears fans house. love a big show. He, he, he chokeslams everybody,
2: but he only eliminates two people. Like he takes out everybody, but he just really doesn't it's, care about throwing them out.
3: He takes out so Test and K quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: he and and choke slams everybody including the cane chokeslam is awesome. It's a really right. good. It makes him look really powerful. And then Kane it just sets up Can only fall backwards. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And then it sets up a really good face-off. It's a good callback to the year before at the Royal Rumble with The Rock. The Rock just slaps the piss out of him like 15 times, and then clotheslines him over the top rope. Oh, he does kick him in the balls to get out of the choke slam too, but <laughs> knocks him over the top rope. Big Show's not happy. He Hulk Hogan's him over the or under the rope, and then throws him onto the um, choke slams him through the table, and Rockets to rest now for like 15 minutes it seems like,
1: <laughs> and it's
2: but it's a really good. Spot because it does it is a great callback to the year before where they went all the way to the end. Big Show it was. Big Show should have won, could have won, and then nope, it's a tie, and he ends up getting screwed out of it anyway. Doesn't really feel like he's really a part of anything. So it's a nice kind of callback where it's like, damn it, this guy once again has uh has dashed my hopes of being a part of the main event of Mania, even though he kind of was in two thousand. But let's face it, he really wasn't. But anyway the fact that they do that it's a really cool callback and it's a nice way to get the rock out of the match for a little while
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah because
3: you know my my work brain makes me think oh well they must be protecting the rock but i think it would have been a little unbelievable if the rock had been in there at the same time as undertaker and kane yeah exactly you know exactly it's like yeah how could rock survive this you know and that's really smart
2: next then you have you have crash allu comes out and then it's and then like by this point the cuz Big Show didn't eliminate anybody except for the, a couple of dudes they all are ganging up on Kane and you kind of figure you know who's coming next then and it's just so awesome that it, it, I, it, you know, just when that music hits and it's rolling, 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 here comes big evil. <laughs> here comes big <laughs> evil. It's booger red. <laughs> There's disapproving oh, no. taker it's and disapproving he's coming down on the taker. motorcycle. And he, I, I still love this era of undertaker. The, just the black jeans, the, the pretty much what we're going to be getting. Apparently it seems like this year from undertaker, he's back to this look and, and, he just rolls in and they just start clearing house and it's awesome. They eliminate everybody in this, this little grouping here that we said. And it what's what I love is that they're not as dumb as the Hardys where they start fighting. They just kinda of look at each other like, well just do that hey Glenn, let's just stare for a little minute. It'll make people believe we're gonna fight. We ain't. We ain't doing that. We're just waiting. <laughs> and this next moment's awesome. When it's just Taker and Kane in the ring and the next entrant comes out and it's Scotty too hotty. It's probably one of his best moments in the company because he sells this perfectly.
1: <laughs> like, why even get in the ring? Um,
3: like, there's no rule that you have to ever get in the ring. So it's just no. the look on his face when he's at the top of the ra- of the ramp is really funny. Like, like it's. This, this is a really funny rumble. <laughs> it's just it, like, oh, this sucks. What's, I give him a lot of credit, too,
2: because he actually sets up the next entrance, which is Austin. He sets him up because he's so pensive about going down there. Austin is not. He's uh-uh. just uh-uh. that uh-uh. in that the way he's talking trash immediately, too. I'm like, oh, please. And then and by the way, hate that the disturbed song is. Just coupled out of here. They, they, that WWE muted over it on the network. That's a bummer. But I, whatever. It, it's fine. It's his entrance theme is it. The, I thought it's the I was remembering members.
3: that differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I swear there's a couple of points where they, where, where I can hear it. Um, right. Like, like right. they couldn't edit over some of it because somebody was talking. But yeah, right. the disturbed song would have, would have really kicked it up a notch uh, here on the network.
2: But. Austin never Austin needs apparently he needs the rest immediately because Triple H comes out and this is all because Austin came out and uh cost Triple H the, the title match against Angle, which is all part of the, the retconned who ran over Austin. Well Rikishi
3: did. Well, kinda. He got hired by Triple H I guess. So <laughs> we I mean we're in the, so <laughs> this even further makes it just even worse in hindsight to think about the two man power trip. I I know. It, it just doesn't like it. Just doesn't make any sense. And Jr. sounds like he's having a stroke. Yeah. You know, like he <laughs> he gets so mad.
2: Yeah, yeah. How about um, I? I know the blade job at thirteen is remembered. Obviously, is it's iconic. This is ugly. The,
3: well, it's um, not as bad. I always thought the worst Austin blade job was uh, his first blood match with the Undertaker in Austin's own blood. That one. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 There is nothing yeah. that will ever top that for Austin, but this is pretty bad, especially when we see it by the uh, entrance ramp after Triple H like almost kills him by that, that that thing that he sets Austin on that they're both on that they end up falling through. Yeah, uh, and Triple it's... H like looks at it like it, you know, slept with his mother, you know, <laughs> like he looks at this inanimate object like I'll fucking get you. <laughs>
2: it and so it's funny then like Austin is laid out here for the next basically the remainder of the people coming out he's just crawling back to the ring ever <laughs> so right. just, just carefully just he's a bloody mess and then we have 28 Billy Gunn 29 Haku how about that
3: when Haku popped out yeah loved it and, I just mm-mm <laughs>
2: and And it was neat because it really fit with number 30, which was Rikishi, who everyone knew he was coming out at 30 because he had won. What was it? He won like a mini battle royal on SmackDown or something Mm -hmm. that had that. that, Whatever. He had won something that gave him the 30 spot, which they bless their hearts. They still wanted you to believe he was fearsome. And it was like, I don't believe it because you've already made Triple H the real villain of the Austin thing. So Rikishi's
3: irrelevant at
2: this point. Did but, you ever have a hard um,
3: time imagining Rikishi in that little car? I, I know, I I know, yeah.
0: <laughs> I That's a how good deflating point.
3: that was when we found out it was Rikishi. Yeah, you it know, really just, sucked. Like, are you kidding me? And then there, and then his match with Austin at No Mercy was just—it wasn't even a match. It was no, it was like it was a, yeah, like it was yeah. like the Bischoff match, basically. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, this finally, yeah, this though, whole we, thing sucked.
2: Yeah, finally, when Rikishi makes his entrance, is when he decides he decides to do the one thing you shouldn't do. Like, probably should stay away from Steve Austin at all costs, no matter how hurt he may <laughs> yeah, appear to be. It's like and, Austin ate the spinach. He <laughs> really does. All of a <laughs> oh, there's a target. <laughs> just explodes on Rikishi. He gets in the ring. I love his little his little mix up with Billy Gunn. That's really good uh, between those two, and then. Um, I guess we should just should we just well all right before we get to that, the um, Undertaker gets eliminated by Rikishi. That's a pretty say,
3: big moment. That's uh, this is the funniest part of the match. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was it was like a long con because it took me a second. I was you know like Undertaker gets eliminated and we go back to the ring and then all of a sudden I think there's a, a motorcycle outside the house like like someone coming looking for said somebody's <laughs> husband you know found me and uh <laughs> nope <laughs> it's it's the undertaker exiting and you could and then the camera cuts to this weird angle in the ring and you can see the undertaker in the background just well shit <laughs> and it just yeah, he rides just, off into the sunset
2: <laughs> i'd like to think that taker rea- didn't realize the the like all you would have to do with the bike once he lost. He's like oh shit i got to take this out of here i can't <laughs> leave it here i don't trust Seriously. that spanish announcement. <laughs> trust that spanish announcer Announcer, what's he gonna do? He makes, he, man, they makes so so Vinovich, much, like, man. No, hey, no. hey, man. No. Make I, a
1: path, please. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's really distracting, is what it is. Is what it's, we're basically saying. This is like, so funny. It, it's, it, it, yeah. But it, it can't. It, it's as distracting as it is. The moment in the ring that makes this rumble really memorable, and I have no idea if they planned this or if they talked about this in any way at opposite corners of the ring, all of a sudden Austin and the rock lock eyes and it is chilling to watch. Like it gets you so pumped up because they have avoided each other the entire time uh, in the rumble at this point. And for the most part they had, you know, because of big shows thing with triple H's thing, they kind of kept them out of it. But this moment is so cool. The camera work cutting between both Austin, just an absolute bloody mess. And then they go toe to toe in the center of the ring this is the moment of the Rumble, wouldn't you say? Like, this is it.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Got to give credit to the WWF camera crew uh, for having the foresight to zoom in on Austin and Rock's faces. Uh, and Austin, it's it, the way that he looks on the gr- Austin is so good at staring. He's like the Clint Eastwood of pro wrestling when it comes to this. Uh, he's on the ground staring, and then he looks completely different when he's standing up and staring at him. You know, and and the blood's just all over the place, and it's just like holy shit, here we go, you know. But like, we haven't the, seen these guys really go at it, really. I don't think since um, I want to say Backlash. None well, none. And, and
2: I don't, and I don't count that Armageddon cage match, that mess no, of a match.
3: Came. Yeah,
2: I don't. Yeah, that um, or the or the I love the moment too happened. when the crowd realizes it. Yeah, because they start to really like they, they let him hear it and everything like it's it's so good and what I, what's really smart is how how they protect each other as well as themselves in terms of okay we can only do so much here we can't really show anybody really getting the best of the other
3: guy each guy hits well, their a perfect, finish yeah it's a perfect setup uh, Yeah. because yeah. we didn't know it but this was going to be the main event of mania which right. is funny because we'd already had it and yet This one felt ten times as important, Um, so you know credit to WWE on that one. You know they must have known that they were gonna give the title to The Rock. Uh, Yeah. So like this is this is great, and and this is kind of like the beginning of let's tease a match that we're gonna do sometime down the line in the Royal Rumble. Like, um, what was it? Royal Rumble 2007, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. They're the last two guys in the ring for like 12 minutes, and it's basically the prequel to the 25 match
2: yes yes absolutely um yeah this it's it's so well crafted to where like you just they, they protect each other and then the the way they because inevitably it's like okay how are we gonna get one of these guys out of here and it's very smart I think it's rock trying to eliminate Austin Kane comes over and it looks like he tries to eliminate both of them but only the rock goes over and it makes sense because of the the, the leverage he has on Austin he's over him trying to eliminate him and Kane just, completes it and the rock is the only one who gets eliminated but it's really good because it seems kind of fluky the way he goes out to where like oh man the rock got screwed it's like well it's it's, it's kind of a fluky thing that happened there that could have happened to anybody and it's really good because then that sets up our our final confrontation here with austin and kane who should say at this point he stays in the rumble 53 minutes it's awesome it's an amazing
3: yeah, show. This is a- this is a big performance for Kane, and uh, this was the this was the record setter uh, for until I believe was it Roman Reigns? Of course, it yeah, was. yeah. But uh, Kane eliminated eleven people, um, according to the books, and and it's not like he eliminated eleven people and he didn't do anything else in the Rumble. Uh, Kane, like the whole Rumble, seems to kind of revolve around him. Yeah, uh, it, which is interesting because he. I was like never, what you're
2: saying because. There are so many people that are like, the Royal Rumble performances they remember, oh, Sean went the distance, Rey Mysterio this, like, but nobody did the work that Kane does. It's not like he disappears in the Rumble for, like, considerable amounts of time or just gets locked up in the corner because he's a big guy and everybody's trying to lift his legs up and try and push out. It's like, they do a little bit of that, but Kane is working his ass off in this. It, if, yeah. It really makes you feel like Kane is destined for something bigger. <laughs> Sadly, that doesn't happen right well.
3: No, this is one of the best things he ever did. Um, he does these great, powerful things that you know, these these great moments of uh, intimidation, and then he lets himself get choke slammed by Big Show, and and it's like, oh, oh, maybe Big Show's the one who's going to finally take him out. And nope, nope. And it's I, just and Kane, Kane just keeps holding on. And
2: try, I, I and I'd save this because you'd mentioned it earlier. He actually takes the best stunner he's ever. Taken in his life yes and, and it's
3: because <laughs> of the way his it's I've watched it a couple of times it's because of the way his right foot lands uh, yeah. his, his somehow somehow he lands the stunner on both knees and somehow he ends up on his right foot and he uses it to pivot and just kind of do this dramatic turnaround and fall right on his back yeah awesome. it, it's as good as it's ever gonna look from Kane great uh, line by lawler too because he's like damn well that's stupid because now you got to pick him up
2: and throw him sure. over the top rope. It's a great line. And, of course, like, nah, man, I'm just going to bash his head in with a damn steel chair. <laughs> That's all I'm going to do. Yeah,
3: Kane and, takes uh, a beating in this match.
2: Oh, God. And, I mean, that that final move to knock him
3: out is, uh, man, it's I a remember, great finish. Yeah. I remember being a, really tense. When Austin yeah. went to the uh, uh, the opposite rope to do a clothesline, I was like, "Oh, don't do that!" Because I thought Kane would, you know, hold the rope down or backdrop him. It seemed really, it seemed like a possibility, because you know, three chair shots and then he goes into the ropes. Like it's, it's I felt like I was getting set up. Yeah. Uh, back then, but nope, that clothesline is great. The the way the audience reacts, it's great, and it protects the Rock. Uh, Austin and Rock were the last two at the '98 Rumble. Yeah. So, yeah, WWE doesn't typically uh, repeat stuff like that. And the way Austin falls down after it's done, and, oh, man, the celebration's fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah, this this is an all-timer.
2: The other thing I forgot to mention with Taker is this, man, when, I need to go back and look when the Undertaker, like, I know he's in the 92 Rumble. Taker's not, I don't remember him a lot in Royal Rumbles. You know what I mean? Like, in the Attitude Era, he wasn't in 98. 98. He wasn't in 99, correct? I don't think he was in either one of those. He was def- he definitely wasn't in um
3: 2000. He was right. he was injured.
2: Yeah, so it's crazy that like like that's something like it was it, it was almost taken for granted but it was like, man, we hadn't really seen Taker especially like later Taker. Like it was funny watching the 92 one and it go and guys no we're we're gonna run this thing back and do ninety two in a few weeks because it's undeniable. But what's funny is him him in that Rumble, he just chokes people the whole time. He doesn't do anything well, but just choke people,
3: and it's, it's funny because right, 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 right. It's that's funny. Just yeah, it, it, I mean, Taker doesn't have that many Rumble moments, but um, I can think of like like if I, if I can think of them, uh, the Shawn Michaels one definitely Maven. Uh, is really sticks out uh, w- when Undertaker did that when he just killed him. Um, I think he was in the 2010, the one that I went to, the one where Sh- the one that was leading up to um, the Shawn Michaels match. I think because Shawn was desperately trying to hang on and Danny he just couldn't. Yeah, Taker Taker's not a big mainstay. He got title matches at some of the Rumbles, like there's a Rumble ninety three. I think that's the one. No, sorry, Rumble 94 is the one where he lost the casket match to Yoko. And And Rumble 98 is the casket with Sean. With Sean. Yeah, where he he killed his career for a few years. Yeah, Taker, because you would think he would dominate this thing. And and, and Taker did win that Royal Rumble against Sean. And I think that's the only one he ever won. Yeah, he's actually really giving
2: in Rumbles. That's why I think is really neat. Is like that you said the Maven thing, and it's like it's really cool that like he he really is like this. He, he's he's very giving. Like giving Rikishi that's that moment to eliminate him. It's a yeah. That's a big thing. And um, um. Uh, all right, so it's a good transition now just to talk about like wh- you and I've talked a, lo- a lot about what we feel like with this. We're gonna do a little bit more in a sec. So here's what some people had to say. Um, when we threw out there that we're going to be doing this one, let's hear it first. We got Philip. Philip Goad here tells us. He says, probably the best Royal Rumble match of all time. I know people will point to 92, but I see that more as a performance. Flair makes 92. 01 has different sections that flow together beautifully. Even the carry bit is forgivable because they sent him out with no one in the ring. And the instant an actual wrestler shows up, he was terrified, and he bailed. It wasn't Leno putting Hogan in a wrist lock to get on the front of USA Today. It's, it was, that's Kane, and I don't want any part of that. Absolutely. Uh, and Henry uh, from the 2 podcast says, The Honky Tonk Man's appearance also cracked me up. He comes in and sings a song, and then Kane smashes him with the guitar and shakes his head like, what the hell were you thinking? And <laughs> Philip chimed in with that as well. Ryan Palmer came in that gif is what makes, and that the gif is of Austin and the rock locking eyes. That's what makes the rumble for me, a crimson masked Austin locks eyes on the rock. They get up still with eyes locked onto each other and go toward each other and let loose on each other. And it's an iconic moment. Never spoken about sadly. I think it's that's, that's yeah. I think it's reasonable. It doesn't get talked about a lot. And, um, he, he definitely mentions before the final four, you hear takers bike revving up to go back to the dressing room. Hilarious. <laughs> and, um, Benjamin says, uh, Benjamin Emerson says, first ever Royal Rumble show I watched as a kid and probably my personal favorite Rumble match. So, I, you and I talked, like, it's, it is definitely important to talk about this in the context of Royal Rumble 92 because the comparisons, I mean, the structure, as you led off with, that we've talked about, the structure, that, that doesn't exist really in the 92 Rumble yet. They were still feeling out what they could do with the Royal Rumble. But... I mean it's hard to say that this is overall better than 92. Would you agree or I I liked what your comment was when I asked you this yesterday.
3: What did I say yesterday?
2: <laughs> no, you said I say a lot it, of things, well. No, 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 no. I liked I put it, I liked what you said it was like it kind of depends on my mood. And it's true like what do you sure. want to watch at a given time? Like do you want to see kind of like the hardcore thing which is fun? Do you want to see that or do you want to see just the murderers row of hall of famers? That were in
3: 92s. So, 92 is really interesting because it's the first time the Royal Rumble mattered. Um, The Royal Rumble prior to 92 didn't, it it was bragging rights. You know, you didn't get a title, you didn't get a title shot. Hell, the WWF champion, I think, won the Royal Rumble like the first time. Hulk Hogan had won it twice prior to that. And so, 92, I always look at 92 as it's the transition of the transitional Royal Rumble. Um, It's got the best of what came before and a, a hint of what's to come because the 93 Rumble that's the first one where the winner goes to Wrestlemania to fight the champion and at 92 it was simply and it's, I think it's still the only one that did this it was whoever wins is the champion and there was a lot of cool storylines going on now granted I, I wasn't a wrestling fan I don't think at the time because um, I, I think I saw this on VHS 92 and yeah if you compare it to two thousand one, I mean the first thing that comes to mind is star power. Just look at the interviews that happened right before look, look not even the interviews. Look at the intro video at the very beginning of ninety two where Vince McMahon literally names off all thirty guys. And it's insane the talent pool that they had. Um, I mean, just, just everybody. And, and and the story is the, the story going into it's pretty much just about Ric Flair and Ric Flair drawing number three. And he was gonna have to go over an hour, and just and the, and the how cool it was to see Ric Flair um, teamed up with guys that we never saw him feud with again. You know, like we get to see Ric Flair tussle with Roddy Piper or Jake Roberts. You know, it's the it's these cool little combinations of guys that don't don't ever cross paths, and we even get to see Ric Flair and Sean go at it for a little bit. Um, that match. Is great and and plus it's it's like the first time I've I've ever actively seen that I can think of in the in the old uh, Federation timeline, of the crowd actively not wanting Hulk Hogan to win. Um and Hogan does a very heelish thing at the end. There's a lot of cool stories in that match. Uh honestly the the only complaint I even think I have about it is this stupid moment where because Randy Savage had two of these two years in a row where he jumps over the top rope to fight Jake Roberts, and then they have to make up a rule on the fly that, uh, no, you have to uh, be thrown over the top rope uh, to be eliminated. And then and then 93, he outdoes himself by trying to cover Yoko Zuna in the Royal Rumble, and Yoko yeah. just pushes him over the top rope. It's, it's ridiculous. But th- there's, a lo- like, there's a lot going on in that rumble that's really cool, and Jake Roberts is, is so cool in that rumble. Oh, man. And you got Taker in there. Sid, I mean, it's it's so loaded with guys. Uh, it's really hard to say that that's not the best rumble. I mean, you can yeah. make the argument that it's about spectacle and star power, and that's it. But Flair has great moments, like he, Bobby Heenan. Like <laughs> he has this. I'll never forget this. He goes, "I think Flair's been backdropped twenty-five times." Oh God, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like
3: it's it's so funny. Like, but or Bobby Heenan, like even. Cause he, to me, he's the reason that's it, one like the biggest reason why it's so good is he's like starts chastising Howard Finkel during the introductions like you know to to win the match you have to be thrown over and then and then you get Heenan oh come on get to it <laughs>
1: Just, <laughs>
3: it's it's it, fantastic
2: yeah. but it's a, gr- 2000- it's a great Rumble it's like yeah,
3: these are yeah. like, when I think of like my favorite Rumbles it's ninety two oh one and probably 02. Like, those are the ones I always, oh, and maybe 97. I love 97. Uh, those are the ones that always kind of stick out. Uh, just as uh, just memories of, of little individual moments. And some of the recent ones have been good. Uh, I will say this if you've never done it and you go to these things, there's nothing like going to see the Royal Rumble live. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite live events that I ever went to when I went in 2010 and I'll never forget that when Edges music hit that oh my god it was so loud uh I I've, I've never heard an ovation like that and I've I've seen Austin live but um yeah um I, I wouldn't argue with someone that says that one's better because there's certainly times where I think it is better but if I have to pick one right now I mean I I'm sorry I have to go with 92 and that's that's mm-hmm. not taking anything away from this rumble
2: it's still perfect that's why we're doing it like it's a it is a perf- it's perfectly executed as a Royal Rumble like every all the little nuances to it like this this is a very special Rumble and I mean thing is as as fun as Royal rumbles are they are hard to pull off that's why the last probably few years maybe with a couple exceptions I think they're very forgettable they've become forgettable they're fun in the moment but I don't remember anything that really I want to be like oh yeah remember remember hey man remember that 2017
3: rumble you'd be like no Wait, what no I, I, I don't now, and it doesn't help that WWE has devalued the rumble and so what I mean by that and I'm not talking about the divas or the the women oh boy I'm in trouble now I'm not talking about the women's rumble because I think that's pretty cool uh when they did the 40-man royal rumble uh with where Alberto Del Rio won that was an awful idea uh, or when they did the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, just like what are you talking about? You know, it's just it's it's like they were doing to the Royal Rumble what they did to the ladder match. Yeah, the the ladder match doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, it's it's completely useless. Like like people forget like there was like a three. Yeah, there was a three-year gap between major ladder matches where Sean fought Razor at SummerSlam, and then we had Triple H and The Rock at 98. And it was like, Jesus, I haven't seen a ladder match in years. It's going to be awesome. And the Royal Rumble, like last this year's was, I think half of it was fantastic. Uh, I loved how it was structured. And and the, no matter what, even the bad ones, the Royal Rumble is always fun uh, to an extent. And then when you think about it, you know, like that's that's what you remember. Like, I remember enjoying the one where Benoit won, but uh, the only thing I remember off the top of my head about it is the finish. And it's become the Royal Rumble has become this thing that's it's a it's a true spectacle because now you're they started introducing the surprise entrance, you know, stuff like that, or uh, oh, what else? Um, the celebrity thing, like like that's come up, like things like that, just. It, it makes it just feel, like, really, really super important. And another thing I loved about this year's Rumble was that they held it, I think they held it in a stadium. And that's another reason I'm, I'm really partial to the one in 97, which was in San Antonio. That was in a stadium. And it makes it feel even bigger, you know? So, it's, I always look forward to the Rumble.
2: So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely run it back. We'll do 92 in a few weeks. That would be a fun one to do just to kind of couple with this one
3: to kind of compare and contrast, like, just the eras of... Well, those are probably of, the only twos that I would say are 10s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Because, absolutely. like, to say a Royal Rumble match is a 10, it's just like, that sounds insane. But it does exist. Yeah, yeah
2: it does exist. I mean, it's a hard it's a hard thing to pull off because there are a lot of, literally, there are a lot of moving parts. There, there are 30 guys, you know, for the most part that are um that, that make it that make it a tough thing with you have to have everything moving moving and seeing for it to work so
3: right and there are some things i wish they'd bring back i think about this every year because like well they do it this year and they and they never do do you remember when they used to do the um the balls in the machine and yes. they would have a wrestler standing next to it that used to be so cool and yeah. and what number did you get and you And then you get someone like Teddy Biasi, just start laughing, (laughs) and and he would have number thirty. Yeah. You know, like like I miss that. And another thing I miss, which is hilarious, and this was like a running joke with us for a while, is when they would do like the Royal Rumble by the numbers kind of thing. And and Uh, the thing that was always so funny is over five hundred tons of humanity that's has been in the Royal Rumble. That's like forty big shows. (laughs) <laughs> when they would say stuff like that. Just well that's they they haven't done that in a while but that always made me laugh. <laughs> All
2: right, so let's look ahead here. So our next um our next episode, I think so it's looking like at the latest maybe next weekend is when we will we will do best of luck spot uh, Hall of Fame. Now right now group 3 still has some voting left maybe but i'm yeah maybe there may still be voting for this by the time this comes out we'll see but right now grapple plex and exploding sidewalk slam are both at 31% they are locked in with too late now right behind at 25% so uh yeah, there's a lot going on so far the, the 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 fan inductions have been the nwo meet and greet and mabel's second rope leg drops to the jobber have both oh. successfully won their groups. They are going to be inducted, so we'll see what comes out of Group 3 here. Grappleplex is pretty nasty. It's just that Japanese scoop and just drop right on his head. Have a good you're day. You talking about the German Suplex? This is like a... Um, it is a single-leg pickup, just drops him on his head. Well, here's a finish. And it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, and it's funny because it looks like it's the first move of the match, is what it looks like. <laughs> potato and
0: and we're done (laughs) and we're done
3: the whole company close it (laughs) oh but
2: but keep your eyes because we're going to be we're posting the gifts the videos that come along with them so you can see them and then vote on them on Twitter and um, there's probably I think there are two more groups left to solidify it and then we'll do obviously the special categories as well so Keep an eye out on Twitter at New Blood Pod. The Facebook page is New Blood Rising Podcast. I am at William 83 I am at CM underscore stabs. We'll see you guys soon for the best of luck spot all of all Kick
1: out! Kick out, Cactus! <laughs> goodbye, my friend. That's the goodbye. Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. Miss Cactus does feed McCFley.